You're listening to a gospel-centered, Bible-based sermon from St. John Lutheran Church in Sterling, Nebraska by Pastor Kevin Arndt. The next reading is from Revelations chapter 21, 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Here ends the epistle reading. Holy Gospel according to St. John beginning at verse 11. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men also have kept this man from dying? <laughs> then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, with his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated for the sermon hymn, Ye Watchers and Ye Holy Ones. Grace to you and mercy and peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. The text are the readings from Revelation in chapter 7 and 21. Okay, today is All Saints Day. A little bit of background. Uh, long, long time ago, this was a, a spring celebration, but because of some pagan celebrations in the fall, um, one of the previous popes moved 
All Saints Day, to November 1st as a way to counteract some of these pagan holidays and to give Christians something better to do so they wouldn't be enticed to go off and do these things. Last Sunday was Reformation. Um, October 31st would be All Saints' Eve, or All Hallows' Eve, or as we say, All Halloween, or we just shortened it to Halloween, and we forgot all about the saints that are inside of that word. And as we have Christmas service and Christmas Eve, and New Year's, sometimes churches have New Year's Day service and New Year's Eve, well, they had All Hallows' Day and All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day and and All Saints' Eve for big worship services in, in the church. And that was All Hallows' Eve, the church service, when Luther came and nailed his 95 theses onto the church door in Wittenberg. We think that's some big deal, pounding a nail on a church door. But really, that wasn't quite as revolutionary in and of itself. They did that sort of thing back in those days. It was the bulletin board. But the things he wrote, that's what really made a big difference. The things he wrote in his theses, they were really not trying to start a revolution. They were simply asking questions. He was grappling with, how do you get to heaven? How are you saved? Those were the questions he was dealing with because the message he was getting from the church and that he was taught and the message he was getting from the Bible, they didn't match up. And and he's just trying to pose these as discussion questions in this university town at the university church so that they could have an academic discussion about it, about justification, about how are you made holy? How do you become one of these saints arrayed in white? The Catholic Church has saints. We have saints. We would say, you are saints. When you believe in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, when, when you accept the forgiveness and the grace that He is, has won for you, by His declaration, then you are holy, and by definition, then you are a saint. When we get to Christmas, we talk about Santa Claus. Santa is just Spanish for saint. Saint Claus. Saint Nicholas. We have lots of cities named after saints, and you are a saint. So you just put saint in front of your name. If you're a baptized Christian, you believe in Jesus, you're a saint. Now, we don't pray to you, and we don't um, expect you to uh, intercede when you go to heaven. You don't intercede for uh, people here on earth. That part we we don't believe as, as Lutherans. We have one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. He alone stands between the Father and us. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. All right, so All Saints Day is a day when they commemorate those who have died in the faith. Um, It it started with little commemorations scattered all over the place. Somebody would, would, mainly the martyrs, they would die for their faith, and they would then gather on their anniversary of their death and, and have a, a celebration. But after a while, there got to be so many of them, they kind of lumped them all together in one day in the spring that got moved to the, the fall. And it's a day to just remember them and commemorate them. And in particular, remember how it is that they got to be a saint through God's gift of his son and Jesus' death on the cross. And where are they now and what are they doing? What is their life? What do we have to look forward to our own self as we end the, uh, approach the end of our life or maybe even indeed the end of the world and the Lord's return? Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. They're having a party. It's a, a giant fart party. It, it is a, the party to end all parties. 
or the party that never ends. It goes on forever. And at this party, there is music, and there is rejoicing, and there is celebration, and there is um, a feast. The, the aged meats and wines and the finest of wines. There is the living water. There is the bread of life. These things are, are all, all there. At, at this party, there are party favors that Jesus passes out. He passes out the party favors of wiping every tear from your eye. No more sorrow, no more death, no more dying, no more pain, no more suffering of any kind, no more guilt, no more sin, no more pain. Just joy and glory and bliss. Glorified bodies, no more crutches, no more pacemakers, no more canes, no more glasses, no more hearing aids, no more any of the things that we use to prop up our physical bodies here. You know, the Bible paints such a wonderful picture of heaven. It really makes, us, makes me wonder, why do we cling to this life so hard? What has earth that I desire, Lord, besides thee? That's, that's where we're, we're going. Paul says, I, I struggle. You know, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So what shall I choose? I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, yet I know for your sake it's better that I remain in the body. Uh, okay, I'll stay in the body for your sake. Because I know that will mean fruitful labor, and that, that'll be good. But boy, I really can't wait to get there. For, for us, you know, the, when, when the Lord calls, so it's time to bring this person home. We generally have a prayer. Lord, no, don't take him, don't take her. Let, let them stay. But think about that for a second. If you had the option between tribulation and a party forever, you know, which, which one do you pick? You know, the, you know, the party sounds pretty enticing. And what we're saying, don't go to the good place. Stay here and suffer some more with me because I want you here. You know, it's because we love them. And it's in our heart. We want them to stay. And for our own part, we want to stay for their sake. But boy, it just looks so good. And I think the longer we're alive and the more people that we know over there, the, the more people that have gone ahead of us, the, the more enticing that party becomes. Our, our longing for heaven, our home, and the joy of it all, it just increases. No hunger, no thirst. No more sun that strikes with the scorching heat. Our, our Lord is there to guide us to springs of living water. That's even as He promised in Psalm 23, the green pastures, the, the still waters, the banquet table that is set before us there in paradise, our heads anointed with oil, a, a table set in front of us before our, our enemies. He wipes the tears from our eyes. And that's in, in Revelation 9 and 21. Both of them, they talk about how He spreads His tent over them and the dwelling of God will be with man. Spreading His tent over, that the, the word there um, reminds me of the one that John uses in John chapter 1, verse 14. It talks about the Word became flesh and dwelt with us. He made His dwelling with us. And the word dwelt is he tented. It's the same word that would be translated for tabernacle 
in the Old Testament. He tabernacled with us. And it's a reminder that as the children of Israel came out of the tribulation and the bondage and the exodus, and they crossed the, the, the Red Sea on dry ground, and they come and they have that covenant relationship with the Lord at Mount Sinai, and they get the, the commandments and the, the first covenant, and for 40 years as they go through the wilderness, God dwelt with them. He tabernacled. He tented with them. The glory of God and the pillar of fire and, and, and of, of uh, smoke, the cloud, traveled with them wherever they went. It was time to lead. He lifted up. They packed up. And then they followed where he went until he stopped. Then they would set up camp again. He tented with them. He dwelt with them. And then we see in, in John, John says, and that word, the same word that tabernacled and tented and dwelt with them in the wilderness for those 40 years, now he tabernacled in human flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus lived among them and with them, and he still tabernacles in the, your human tent. Paul brings that out very clearly. <clears throat> he talks about our body as a tent. And when this tent is destroyed, we're happy to go and be with the Lord in our heavenly dwelling. But in the meantime, Christ takes up his dwelling inside of you. And he still, he still tents in your tent, in your heart, when he lives with you. And that is, when he lives in you, he's giving you his glory. He's giving you his holiness, his righteousness. He gives you his forgiveness. He washes you. He makes your robes white in the blood of the Lamb. He justifies you. He forgives you so that you have access now to the Father through Him. You have access to the party. You've got your ticket punched. You can, you can enter into the, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is the bride of Christ, the church. You are part of it. You are, the, you are part of the party, not just going to it. You get there because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is where He opens the door. He dies for our sins. With, without that, we would be like those who are cast out, who don't get to come into the party. Anybody who thinks that either they don't need an invitation or that thinks that they can get in all on their own, the Bible is clear. No one comes except through me. He alone is the way and the truth and the life. Very uh, exclusionary about that. That, that party means the wiping away of tears. Today, we, we do shed a lot of tears. We, we weep over our sins and the afflictions we cause ourselves and the pain we cause us, others. We weep over the sins of others and the pain that it causes us. We weep over the pain it causes God when we sin against Him and how it causes that death on the cross. We have a sorrow for the effects of our sins. We, have, we weep because of the loneliness that sin causes as it divides us from each other. David wept over his son, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. I wish it were I that who had died and not you. And Rachel, it says, was weeping for her children and when King Herod killed all the babies around Bethlehem trying to kill the baby Jesus, it says a, a weeping is heard in Ramah. All the mothers, like Rachel, weeping for their children and would not be comforted. In our Gospel reading for today, we see Mary weeping 
at the, the death of Lazarus as her brother and all the Jews weeping with her and mourning. When Jesus was going to the cross, it says that the, the women wept over Jesus as he was carrying his cross up to Golgotha. And he said, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And Jesus, as he looks at Jerusalem, he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, stone those who've been sent to you. How often I longed to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings, but you would not. And Jesus wept over Jerusalem. The woman who was, had a sinful life came and she wept over her sins as she used her tears and her hair to wash Jesus' feet. And she also used those tears of joy at his unconditional acceptance, his forgiveness for her. Paul and the elders, they clung to each other's necks and wept on each other's shoulders as they were about to leave each other and saying goodbye for the last time. We could go through all the places in the Bible and all the reasons why, why people weep. The, the sorrow of, of parting, whether it's saying goodbye for a while or forever, whether it's because of distance or because of death. We weep because of our divorce. We weep because of our, our circumstances in life that pull us apart. And the tears of the saints are precious to God and he collects them in a bottle. And then on the last day, it says he wipes all the tears from our eyes and they're remembered no more. The sorrow is gone and the reason for it. And we just praise the Lamb for his sacrifice. We praise Jesus for what he's done, how he's opened it up and invited you in. And he's given you, uh, when, when he was taken down from the cross, it says that Joseph of Arimathea wrapped him in a, in a white shroud. Well, we are wrapped in that white shroud as well. In our, as we're baptized into Christ and we put on his righteousness, and we are raised to new life with him. And like Lazarus, we are set free, unbound. Unfortunately, Lazarus had to die, and then he gets to see the glory, and then he has to come back. <laughs> it's like, really, guys? Couldn't you just let me stay? I, I look forward to that day, and I pray that you do too, that we don't cling to this life so hard as if it were the whole, to everything. While we're here, it means fruitful labor. While we're here, we do what we can to bless our neighbor and glorify God. But we eagerly desire that day when we cross to the other side of the rail and we're reunited with those who've gone before us, who've died in the faith, and we see our Lord Jesus face to face. And we join the angelic choir singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Blessed is He. Blessed is He. Blessed is He. Amen. Thanks for listening in this morning at St. John Lutheran Church in Sterling, Nebraska. If you're in the area, please join us in person. You can find more information about us at stjohnsterling.org and on Facebook at St. John Lutheran Church Sterling. Join us again for more of the biblical teaching of Pastor Kevin Arndt. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Romans 15, 13.